Pillars of Progress presents Control Webster's defines control in two ways, to exercise restraining or directing influence over to regulate, or to have power over and rule. What in this world do you control? I'd like you to stop and think, pause, come up with a list of what you think you control, and then we'll continue in this discussion. I ask this often of people, what do you control, and I always get a list. Then I ask these questions, which I ask of you. Do you control your schedule? Do you wake up in the morning and make a list of the things that you're going to do in the order you're going to do them in? And how long does that list work before it's interrupted? 20 minutes? That seems to be the average. 20 minutes. Do you set your wage? Do you tell your boss, I'm going to make this much money today? No. We earn our wage. And the reality is that you could lose your job any day. How about if you're self-employed? You say, I'm self-employed. I set my wage. But isn't it true that your clients, one, more, all of them could fire you at any time? How about your expenses? Do you control your expenses? Do you know exactly what your expenses are going to be next month? Or is it a budget, an estimation? You eat right and exercise, but do you still get sick? Why does cancer still exist in this world? Why are all of these diseases still around? How many years are you going to live? Do you know the day and the time you're going to die? Do you have children? People tell me all the time, my children are out of control. They never listen. They only do what they want to do. But isn't it a fact that they were never in your control? Continuing this line of question, how about our self-control? Have you ever felt anger, sadness, fear? Have you ever worried? Have you ever done something you wish you hadn't? Can you control your thoughts? Isn't it a fact that the laws of the land were written to punish for a lack of self-control? Society's solution is to put us in prison where we will be controlled. Or will you? So here's the truth. And don't let this slip you by with idle thought. This requires deep thought, some meditation. You are in control of nothing but your attitude and effort. You are in control of nothing but your attitude and effort. Sometimes these simple truths are the most profound. Look around and think, I have no control of any of this. I don't control him or her or it. So the next logical question you might ask yourself is, if I don't have control, then who does? Harry S. Truman, 33rd President of the United States, said, I sit here all day long to persuade people to do things they ought to have the sense to do without my persuading them. That's all the powers of the president amount to. Abraham Lincoln, 16th President, said, I claim not to have controlled events, but confess plainly that events have controlled me. The answer to our question, which may be unsettling, but the answer is, who is in control? No one. Taylor and Brown, in their 1988 paper, Illusion and Well-Being, state that exaggerated perceptions of control or mastery are characteristics of normal human thought. In fact, this illusion of control leads to good mental health. We need to feel in control. When we feel out of control, negative emotions ensue. Let's see some examples of the illusion of control in the modern world. My first example, the door close buttons on elevators. Did you know they haven't been hooked up since the 1990s? But we still push them, sometimes repeatedly, trying to close the door a little bit quicker. 
How about crosswalk signals? In 2010, ABC News reported that they found only one functioning crosswalk button in a survey of signals in Austin, Gainesville, and Syracuse. New York City has less than 100 working crosswalk buttons. The thousands of others are placebos, but we still push them. Office thermostats. More and more thermostats in large office buildings are not really functional. These are called dummy thermostats, and they look real, and they're installed to placate the workers. If someone's hot or cold, they like to be able to change the temperature, or so they think. And these dummy thermostats make building managers feel fewer complaints. Ellen Langer, a psychology professor at Harvard University, said, Perceived control is very important. It diminishes stress and promotes well-being. Let's recap before we go on. Beyond our attitude and effort, we control nothing. In fact, no one is in control. We live in this world deluded by the illusion of control. We feel better thinking that we have control or at least someone has control. How about all those conspiracy theories that some persons or group is somehow in control of the world and its future? We like to complain about that, but in one way it makes us feel better, the thought that at least someone's in control. My question now is, are we controlled? A couple of illustrations. Do you stop at a four-way stop sign late at night when no one's around? A business example. Let's take two companies, identical to each other, 10,000 employees each. They make the same product, the same cost structure, same retail price, same market share. Company B installs automation, and they fire 8,000 employees, 80% of their workforce. But they're now able to produce more product for lower costs, they reduce the retail price of their product and they begin to gain market share. What does company A do? Does the CEO of company A have any choice in this matter? The answer is no. If the CEO doesn't make the decision, the board will. If the board doesn't make the decision, the shareholders will. So who's really in control? The CEO? No. Societal forces are in control of everything at the macro level. Let's have some examples. Nations, states, cities, Societies, organizations, corporations, charities. They vie for control, but they have no control. They, like you and I, merely influence. Their power waxes and wanes from year to year. Don't we see social issues come, go, and then reappear? Nothing really changes. There is nothing new in this world. We are to be the sheep, preoccupied and complacent. We have described the situation well enough, so let's move on to the application. What do we do with this information and this knowledge? Our lack of control. First, you don't have control, so don't expect it. When you don't expect control, your whole outlook and demeanor will change. I believe you achieve a certain peace when you fully realize that you have very little control in the world. As an example, anger. Anger is rampant in this world, but all anger is a result of a lack of control. It's therefore illogical and irrational. We should never be angry, period. Why do we get angry? We get angry because someone is doing something we don't want them to do, or they're not doing what we want them to do, or it is not doing what we want it to do, or it has done something we don't want it to do. Anger is always about control. Think about the other major emotions. Why do we fear? Because we don't have control. Sadness. Perhaps someone died, and we didn't want them to die, was outside of our control. Surprise, distrust, despair. How about despair? Have you ever had a day where it seemed 
one thing after another went wrong and you had so many things go wrong that eventually you were just in despair, totally out of control. You never had control, but this realization of your lack of control with things going wrong one after the other, it brings despair. All of these emotions are due to a lack of control. Let's look at these societal forces we're talking about, the ones that are vying for power and control all day, every day. Don't get caught up in it. You have no part in it, and your influence is zero. Consuming news and other types of social media is wasteful of your time, and it's actually harmful to your attitude. An old friend of mine told me once, if something really important happens, plenty of people will be eager to tell you all about it. Focus only on what is important specifically to you and your family. If it's going to snow five feet tomorrow, you should know about that so you can prepare. But the analysis on the latest current events of the latest legislation is probably pretty worthless to you and a waste of your time. Don't waste your time. Think. Remember, great minds talk about ideas. Great minds think about ideas, not people, places, or events. The next application is mitigate risk. Lack of control equals risk. We do this naturally, mitigating risk, with each decision that we make. We buy insurance, we lock our doors, we wear seatbelts, we eat healthy, we exercise. We give estimations. We establish contingencies. If you don't hear from me, do this. Meet me here, but don't leave until I get there. We install security systems. We have cameras everywhere now. It could be argued that almost everything you do in life is risk mitigation of some sort or another. Donald Rumsfeld, former Secretary of Defense for the United States, made this now famous statement. As we know, there are known knowns. There are things we know we know. We also know that there are known unknowns. That is to say, there are some things we don't know. But there are also unknown unknowns, the ones we don't know we don't know. The known knowns you probably have mitigated pretty well. You might get caught once in a while. You make some further refinements to your mitigation, and you move forward. It's called wisdom. Known unknowns require learning and exploration. You realize that you don't know something, so the solution is to find out if you can. If you can't, then this is a risk that has to be mitigated blindly. You don't know how much it will rain tomorrow, so you water the lawn anyway. At the meeting tomorrow, you're not sure if they're serving lunch, so you eat a quick snack beforehand. Or you could have called and asked. Unknown unknowns. These are a result of a lack of imagination and creativity, the great what-ifs that you haven't thought of. If you puzzle them out before they occur, you will naturally mitigate the risk. If you don't and one pops up, you'll deal with the consequences, but it will become a known known moving forward. Our final applications are persuasion and influence. You have no control over anyone or anything or really any process. People only do what they want to do and mostly only do what they have to do. If you tell someone to do something and they do it, it's because they wanted to do it or believe they had to do it, not because you told them to do it. Don't argue, ever. An argument is one person trying to control another, one person trying to control another's thoughts or opinions. Samuel Butler wrote, He that complies against his will is of his own opinion still, which he may adhere to yet disown for reasons to himself best known. Dale Carnegie rephrased this, A man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. Arguing is fruitless. If you find yourself hip-deep in an argument, don't worry about trying to make your next point. Instead, you need to figure out how to get out of that argument very quickly. You have, or someone else has, tried to exert control where they don't have it. Dale Carnegie again, quote, The only way to get the best of an argument is to avoid it. 
There is much to ponder on this subject of control and many applications. Remember these applications. And in every situation, remind yourself that you do not have control. Don't expect it. Conclude with a passage from the book of James. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Thank you for listening. Visit PillarsOfProgress.com to learn more.